This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out sharebird.com. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That is Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live and allow them to contribute insights directly from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. Welcome back to season four of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am really excited to have an incredible guest, Kevin Wu, the head of solution and category product marketing at none other than Airtable. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your role at Airtable and how you got into product marketing for that matter. So I've been at Airtable now for two years and a month, and it's felt like longer than that, as, as many <laughs> of us who may be at you know pre-IPO companies may feel. And it's been an awesome ride. You know, I started out my role here as an enterprise product marketer. And so we were actually splitting the funnel. My counterpart, Christy, who's amazing, she was overseeing self-serve. And we were doing that for a while. And then we actually realized that the personas, the, the users, whether they use you in the early self-serve phases and they stick with you to the enterprise land and expand, they're still the same people. So we realized like it made more sense to actually think about the business differently. So I oversee solutions, which is basically how do we position Airtable as a solution specifically for a function like marketing or product or HR or finance. And then I also oversee our category, which which is very exciting. We are actively working on category design, category creation, category activation. So that is a kind of a new field within PM, I think, but I think very much up my alley. And so, yeah. And uh, to answer your question about how I found my way into product marketing, I stumbled in. I started my career as a hardware engineer at NVIDIA doing graphics trip design. And then I had a startup bug during that time. And I actually quit that job to do some startups where I was doing almost all the development and coding. And then when my startup didn't work out, I was looking for the next role. And there was this company called Salesforce in San Francisco, and they had an opening for a technical product marketer. I didn't know what that was, but I knew I could develop code and I didn't want to be a full-time software engineer. So I went after that role. And as you know, they say the rest is history. I am all too familiar. And it's funny how many of us and how many guests, how many product marketing experts truly fall into the field and have now fallen in love with it, like you and I were talking about just before hitting record here. Absolutely. Yeah. I really see product marketing like a trades craft. It's like woodworking. If you ever take a woodworking course or class in school, it's like this craft that you have to just keep doing it and trying it out and learning from other folks and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. It's like, it's not something like you study math or writing for, you just kind of find your way in. And I've discovered it to be a highly rewarding career path. And that's why I'm here. I love it. That is incredible. And you've had an incredible career history too, Kevin, as I was looking at your LinkedIn in preparation for this episode and talking with you as well. And you just mentioned you've been at Salesforce. You've also been at AppDynamics. You're, of course, now are at Airtable. I want to talk a little bit more about messaging and how you think about production. Like Salesforce is obviously very well known for Dreamforce and these big events. AppDynamics has certainly put on some big events. And I think when it comes to product marketing and some of these, especially larger events like Dreamforce, for example, 
There's another layer of production that goes into it that maybe some PMMs aren't familiar with or don't have to deal with in their day-to-day. So how do you think about the production and messaging around these huge events like Dreamforce and what goes into the product side of those events? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic question. You know, first of all, I think I was very fortunate to be at Salesforce at the time that I was. When I joined Salesforce, I think product marketing at the time was at most maybe 15 to 20 folks. And just to give you a sense of scale, I think they're like at thousands of PMMs now, like at least over a thousand probably. So it's a huge division of Salesforce. And you know, Salesforce is a marketing-driven company. It is driven by the marketing department. So I happened to be there at like the time when I started in 2009, where product marketing was like really weird rag tag group within Salesforce. No one really knew what it was. It wasn't really a profession to tell you the truth. Like I think like most folks who used to be ex-salespeople were PMMs and like you didn't see a lot of MBAs coming out and being like, I want to be a PMM. Like no one really knew what it was. And to give you a sense of scale, my first event was 30,000 attendees. Wow, And I thought that was massive coming from, I mean, I came from obviously a hardware company. We had like very small events. And it's funny because when I was there, people were saying, you know, this event's 30,000 people, but I remember when it was 3,000, right? And now, you know, Dreamforce before the pandemic, I think they have like almost 100,000 or 150,000 attendees. Like they have to get like a cruise ship just to like fit everybody. But uh, yeah, messaging and strategy, you know, first thing to know is that Dreamforce is a year around thing for a company like Salesforce. I mean, they literally, the moment the Dreamforce ends, like that team gets like maybe a week off and then they go after the next one. And I agree, you know, Messaging for a keynote at that level is like, it's the highest elevation, I think, PMM messaging. You know, next to like category and keynote, they're like peas and carrots. And so a lot of that messaging and strategy is really going to be visionary and it's going to be driven by the founders or the executive team, right? And at Salesforce in particular, it's really driven by Mark's vision. And the thing about Dreamforce is that it cannot just be about a product launch or an acquisition. And often those are the marquee things that will be sort of like touched upon during a 90 minute to two hour keynote session. But Salesforce looks at it as an opportunity to define the next year or multiple years of the cloud computing industry. Like that's how they see it. And so it's really thinking about like, where is this entire industry going? Because like when Salesforce makes a decision, everyone follows suit. It's just like, you have to, but it puts a lot of pressure on that team to develop all the right messaging. So the messaging goes through, it's an entire team of folks, by the way. Like when I joined, it was maybe like one or two people. Now the team that just does these keynote like messaging decks is probably like 10 or 15 people at a minimum. And that's only the PMM. That doesn't include all the designers and all the folks that actually go and make that messaging a reality. And I'm happy to pause there for a moment if you want to double click in. But yeah, I mean, it's a really involved process behind the scenes. That's incredible. And I've certainly had some experience doing this myself, not at Salesforce, but at HubSpot, but similar in the sense where you're right. I find when you're thinking about product positioning or even feature level, if you're doing it at that depth, you're talking about, of course, capabilities, benefits, value, et cetera, but you're typically not looking years and years and years out in most cases. In some cases, you certainly are, but in most cases, certainly with category design, I think that does require some kind of visionary capabilities or visionary stance, I should say. And we can talk more about that. But I do find the creation of keynote, product keynote specifically, to look at the dynamics between the market what trends in the market are, your customer feedback, where your product is headed, what the competitors are doing. And that intersection of all of those things in a very unique way, a very higher level way than just pure product positioning and that storytelling component. But you're right, it does have to be driven by the executives too, what they want to say. How have you navigated those waters, right? Because while you have the expertise in the story that needs to be told, it needs to come from the executive's voice. So how do you kind of balance that kind of push and pull, so to speak? 
Yeah, it's tough because, you know, what I found is working on a keynote, it's kind of like a homepage or like a sales deck. It's like one of these big sort of tier one PMM type projects or, and they can get pretty hairy pretty quickly. You have to think about like, as all PMMs will say, like, what are we trying to solve for? What's the problem? What are our goals? Right. And for a keynote, and I'm talking about, let's make some assumptions for a moment. Like I'm talking about if you're at a company that is trying to lead a category like CRM, right? You want to grow a business to absolute leadership in the market. You want to be in the upper right corner of an MQ one day. That's what you want. If your keynote is just really meant to serve the purpose of pipeline generation, this may not apply to you, right? Like this is the conscious of Salesforce. And that dynamics, we had a little bit of both of that. And I found that Salesforce is by far probably one of the most, and this, this, I think this surprises a lot of people. Salesforce executes really quickly. If you had a ratio of like size to speed or like speed to size, like Salesforce has an incredibly high ratio, surprisingly compared to companies that are like even a thousand people, right? It's because of just how aggressive they are and how much vision they know they need to drive. And that's really what Salesforce is all about. It's about selling that vision in the market. And when you work with someone like Mark Benioff, he is obviously like in his mind, he kind of knows exactly where he wants to take the company and the space. And I'll give you an example. My first Dreamforce event, we were launching Chatter. Now, people might not remember this, but this was the rise of the social enterprise. And this is like, actually, funny enough, I actually went back and looked. This was like seven years before Slack became really a thing. And of course, guess who bought Slack, you know, a, a year and a half ago. But the vision of Chatter was that these like elements of social networking, which is like funny to say today, would be part of work. And at that time, like no one was doing anything. Like everything was desktop based. Everything was through Outlook on the desktop. You'd run out of email space on Exchange server. And we were launching this thing called Chatter, which adoption aside, the point was like it didn't exist yet. And it wouldn't exist for another five to seven years before it really became standard. And now no one looks back and says like, oh, well, of course, work should be social, right? And so, yeah, your question was like, how do you reconcile that? It's like, you have to figure out what the goals are and what the vision is, because like everything has a slot under that vision. You know, you're going to announce X number of features or X new product release launch, but really like, what are you trying to do in the market? And what is that category? I think the fact that there's a label now for it is actually really interesting. Like, what are you trying to do to basically solidify your position in that category and be a leader and to make it so that people can see the future? And that's kind of like this style of keynote, you got to push that envelope. And it's really uncomfortable for a lot of folks to do that. I'll be honest, like I'm running into those bears all the time. It's like, how far can we push the narrative? For sure. Yeah. I think we all run into those barriers, so to speak, or, or those guardrails a little bit and try to figure out how to navigate through them. I have a few questions based off what you just said, and I want to continue the thread of messaging, but there's one thing you said in there around the speed at which Salesforce operates, which I find really fascinating, especially for a company of the size of Salesforce. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that worked as a PMM and maybe how you've possibly carried that through your career? And I'm assuming it's maybe present at Airtable and how you just think about that today as a manager the leader? Yeah, I think of, you know, I do want to call you, I, I do think Salesforce is a unique company for product marketing. It's unlike leaving Salesforce that really opened my eyes to kind of see like what is core, like end-to-end -end product marketing. The PMM org there is really large. And so if you're there as a PMM, you may only get a, see a sliver of product marketing as a whole. And that's okay. I think the good thing about having experience like a Salesforce or going to a Dreamforce event, you know, you can just go and experience it. I call Dreamforce SaaS Disneyland because that's what it feels like. It's like Disneyland, but for people who work in SaaS. And the, the challenge of, I think like how I operate is I really do think about vision because like, you know, the way I see it for many of us working at, especially in the Bay Area where we are at VC backed companies, we want to grow these businesses to be incredible, to be huge, to be like Salesforce. 
Like, I think that's the goal. You know, I was thinking the other day, I was like, success today at like a premier VC-backed company is being Salesforce, right? And like many of these companies, they're generating incredible, you know, you're doing great, you have great growth, but like, that's really the goal for many of these companies. And so when I think about operations and strategy and moving quickly at Salesforce's size, it really does start with that vision from leadership down. And I think that's really hard because as a PMM, you may be early career, mid-career, late stage in your career, and you have to find ways to drive alignment from the executive team. And that is difficult to do. It really is. But that is kind of like the role, right? We operate through influence. And so how do you actually get the exec team to align to a clear strategy, a clear vision? And that vision needs to be aggressive. It needs to be a grand vision. And you have to keep driving it and pushing it hard and asking yourself, like, if we're not aligning to that vision, then why are we doing it? And that's what Salesforce does. Like when Mark Benioff or now, I mean, I've been there for years now, so I don't know how they operate now. But when I was there, Mark would set down the vision for the year. Like this year is going to be about this. And, you know, for example, in 09, it was the social enterprise, right? And that was what it was all about. And what's nice is that the way that they operate, once that vision is sort of clearly set, everyone sort of follows suit. That's why they move quickly. If you're working on something else that's not social enterprise related, like don't do it. And that aligns products, sales, marketing, all these teams align to that vision. And that's how they operate quickly. And, and so it's a challenge. I'll be honest, like outside of an environment like that, it can be very difficult for a PMM to figure out what it is we should be focusing on and how we can drive that alignment because there's so many things we could do all the time, right? For sure. And as PMMs, I don't have to tell you this, but and I'm sure the audience feels it too, but getting pulled in a million different directions and with a, another million separate requests is hectic and can certainly pull out that vision. But you're absolutely right. From the top-down vision is this unifying and aligning function that could be really, really powerful. I think it also can take place at the product marketing level too in equipping our teams and empowering them, I, I should say as well, to say no to certain things and to say, nope, that doesn't align with the vision or that doesn't align with the goals that ultimately ladder up to this quarter or this year's kind of vision even, right? And it does naturally create that. Whereas it's much harder to do on a project by project basis or a launch by launch basis or just individually at large. Absolutely. Yeah. Prioritization, alignment, and strategy is very difficult to do and maintain quarter over quarter, year over year. And I think, yeah, PMM is close to it, very close to it. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So jumping back and speaking of messaging, like we were and pulling that thread just a little bit further, I'm curious, like how you've translated that success from Salesforce and AppDynamics for that matter into Airtable. Have you carried through a standard kind of messaging framework? Have you kind of kept the same lens on messaging and positioning? I'm curious how that's worked and maybe you can share a little bit about how you do messaging and positioning at Airtable. Great question. So at Airtable, I mentioned this in the previous season's podcast, Airtable is a really interesting company in a sense that it's a horizontal platform. It's a SaaS platform. It's not meant for IT folks, but it's designed for app building, right? And this is sort of like, I call it the existential challenge of Airtable as a PMM. And one of the best challenges and fun challenges that PMMs sort of love to try to solve. It's like, how do we position something that's so horizontal? It could be for anybody, but have a clear sort of aligned messaging strategy. And you know, the answer is we struggled and I've been here for two years. And so the day I arrived, everyone was like, well, we describe Airtable in like hundred different ways, which is natural because it can be used in infinite ways. What we realized was we needed a category. And I think Airtable is like one of the sort of like best case studies for companies that need it's a category. Because today the mental model of Airtable is like, oh, it's like Asana or Smartsheet or Monday. It's like a project management tool. That's today's mental model. 
And tomorrow's mental model is it's all about app building and app creation and connecting teams via apps. Airtable is built with a relational database underneath. I'm not in the details here, not to pitch the company, but what we did was we needed that category definition to be at the top, the umbrella. And without it, I'm going to be honest, we have like five or six different messaging frameworks. Some are product feature based, some are solution based. And they're all kind of like floating out there. And it's funny, like, you know, one of my campaign leads slacked me the other day and she was like, hey, I'm lifting some messaging from this framework. It's called the enterprise messaging framework for Airtable. And I was like, oh, I was like, hold on. Okay. I haven't looked at that framework for a while. And, you know, I think about messaging as like a radioactive decay. So there's half-lifes and messaging and web pages, all things that PMM touch have a radioactive decay. And at some point you need to go and sort of like re-up the isotopes to get the power back. And that totally. was a framework. And I love an analogies, by the way. So I'm going to throw as many as I can at you as much as possible. But that is a framework where those rods needed to be replaced in the reactor. And I told her, you know what, I'm deprecating that framework like immediately. And I'm realizing I need to go back and revisit. But we've just recently sort of, we're going through it now. We're literally going through category creation, the exercise now. And so we have basically launched a new messaging framework at the top. And it's a simple framework. I mean, many PMMs, I think we should have like a day where every PMM brings their framework to share. And we just kind of like put them out on the table. It's kind of like people kind of like sharing their like weird hobby thing. Like if we put all the frameworks out, I'm so curious to know what the average is. And our framework is simplified. We based it loosely on, I don't know if you heard of the command of the message. There's a whole sort of like philosophy around command of the message, which is like a like trademarked messaging framework from force management. We combine that with like a standard messaging framework, positioning statement. But I think the hard part is aligning the pillars. Right. And actually, one thing that we are doing at Airtable is for every sub framework that ladders up to the very top category framework, we are asking ourselves, like, do all the pillars align? And does every launch support one of the pillars? Like, that's how rigorous we are starting to get because we are not a scale in size. We have like 12 or 13 PMMs where we do need to make sure that these frameworks all fully align up. And we're being pretty rigorous about it and detailed. I love that. And that's the work that's required, especially when you're creating a all new category, when you're thinking about that detailed level of alignment, it's that exact level of work that's required that is incredibly hard to do, but it's so needed in, in so many companies today. So that's fascinating. One of the outputs, and there's of course many outputs, I don't have to tell you that, but one of the outputs of great messaging is of course a demo, right? How do you think about translating, especially for a horizontal platform like yours and at Airtable. How do you think about the key ingredients in building a great product demo based off the messaging and positioning that you've kind of just written essentially? Yeah. I love talking about demos. I started out as a technical PMM, you know, and I tell a lot of technical PMMs, I think it's a great pathway into core PMM because the one thing that you can do, you'll have a strength in is fearless demos and how to build them and how to get deep in the product. PMMs love a lot of different perspectives. And I'll be very candid. I haven't met very many PMMs that I think are comfortable with demos. And that's kind of why we have the technical PMM role, right? We have the technical PMM role because many times PMMs need assistance. And that's fair, right? It's totally fair that there are aspects of a product. For example, if you have to integrate with Tableau or Looker or you need to integrate with AWS and like Kubernetes, something like that. Like you're going to need someone who has the technical sort of know-how. And I think often you might lean on SEs first until you have the kind of the scale to begin hiring a technical product marketing function. But I actually think technical product marketing is its own program. And it's strategically important for many companies because like the SE demo is not the demo that a PMM needs. 
right? An SE's demo should be really tailored for the customer, the account at hand, should be part of the sales process. It should be like unearthing technical roadblocks, things like that. Like they have a whole methodology there. I think like this world of demos that I think PMM lives in is all storytelling and positioning demos, right? They're not how-tos. They're not how to do this. They're really meant to be a partner to the overall positioning messaging, right? And I actually tell my team, I tell them that, you know what, you could write the best messaging, you could build the ultimate deck with the visuals, and you could have the ultimate spoken pitch over that. And you'd only reach 50% of the message because you haven't shown the product. Exactly. And I'm talking specifically about SaaS, B2B product marketing. I'm not talking about like, you know, if you work at Tesla or you work at Apple, I think those physical products speak for themselves. And you know what, looking at the, I would argue that like an image of the Tesla just being on the, like parked in a spot is a demo right? Like that's their demo, right? But in the world of like B2B SaaS product marketing, you have a product that, you know, if you're coming into a company that is past a series C or D, it's going to be a massive product with way too many features to ever talk about infinite and many directions to go. And so, yeah, I think of like a demo as like, if you don't have a demo and you're doing a pitch, you're only hitting 50% of the message because you haven't shown it working. And I'm a stickler for that, honestly, because oftentimes I see a pitch, I'm like, okay, well, show me the product. Show me the demo. And the way that we think about demos, and I won't go into anywhere you're curious about, but just like messaging, just like a deck, we never start in the deck. We never start in the product. We start with like, what is the storyboard? I think of a demo like Pixar. If you ever have a chance to go to the Pixar office in Emeryville in the Bay Area, they have all around the lobby, they have these storyboard slides. And it's the same thing. It's telling a story. It's just what happens. You're using the product. It's like, you know, we all know we're all storytellers. The demo is telling a story with the product. And what I want to see first and foremost is tell me the story. What is the drama? What are the business problems that you're hitting on? How are you solving that with the product? And then I always ask, what is that element of one more thing? If you remember like when Steve Jobs pulled the iPod Nano out of his coin pocket, you know, he asked like, yeah. you see this little pocket next to your bigger pocket? Like, what is that pocket? And then he pulls out the Nano. I'm really dating myself here, folks. But when he pulls that, like, that's kind of like the sugar on top of the demo. If the demo has a great story arc and it's hitting all the right problems and it's solving and showing how you solve, then what is that, the cherry on top that is really driving home the excitement of the product? And I think that is a really great demo for an analyst, for a keynote stage, et cetera, and for early stage deals. But I'm happy to double click into any of those areas if you're curious, <laughs> but yeah. No, I totally agree. And a lot of product marketers that I talk to, a lot of various product marketing teams that I talk to, to your earlier point, don't know how to demo the product. And part of it for sure is what we were talking about or what you were talking about, excuse me, around the technicality piece of it, right? They say, oh, I don't know how to do the DNS setup or I don't know how to you know, connect to whatever other tool. And that's okay to your earlier point. But I still think there's another piece of that diving in on use cases, for example, covering the high-level story that PMs have to, have to understand deeply. And at HubSpot, actually, we made it a part of the growth framework, like in order to get from a certain level of a PMM up to that next title or the next level, you had to be able to not only demo your capability, your product that you were kind of helping manage and market, but you needed to demo kind of the next layer higher, whether that was the overall product line, multiple product lines, et cetera. And not to say that that worked in all cases, but but actually that worked in many cases very, very well. And it, it's just so critical, I think, for, for so many PMMs that these days, there seems to be such a void of it these days as well. Yeah, you're right. I do think that is a hard thing to do. Like if you're a PMM and you're listening to this and your manager came to you right now and said, show me the product, do a demo. Here's the mouse. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, I'll be totally candid. I just started a new role three weeks ago at this point. I'm not quite sure I could do it at this point, but ask me that question again in maybe two or three more weeks. And sure, but you're absolutely right. Like even at my previous company, if I were to go to my team, I do think there are certain individuals there that could have given me a pretty solid demo, but across the entire team, I don't think it would be fair to expect. I'm curious. I think this is like a great subtopic of like, should PMMs know how to demo their product? And should every PMM be able to deliver at least the most basic demo, right? And I'm talking like, even if you're a head of product marketing, you're a VP, et cetera, I would be curious to know how many very senior PMM leaders out there could actually sit down with the login and show someone the most basic thing. Because, you know, if you're at Tesla, arguably you can get someone in a car, right? Mm -hmm. Like the car is a demo, right? But in a B2B SaaS product, I think, and then the question is like, okay, well, do you need to? Because I think you could be a great PMM leader and you have the great fundamentals of like how to do messaging, how to do strategy, how to manage stakeholders, how to manage the exec team, how to do launches, you know, all these things. Like, I think those are all sort of fundamental, but like, I really do think that for each company, there's a soul of the product and a soul of the business that if you don't capture and you don't understand deeply, how can you be a fantastic top 0.1% product marketing leader. If you cannot sit down in the product and do the most basic click path, right? And so, yeah, it's tough. And you're making me think now, like, should I, you know, I was actually thinking of doing demo certifications, right? And now you're making me feel like I should like bring, you know, if if folks on my team here, doesn't be like, they're really mad with you, Jeff, because you feel like, great, because of this call, Kevin went back and now forces all to learn how to do a demo the product in a deep, deep way. But yeah, it's not technical PMM's job to do demos. They're meant to create the powerful demos like above else, but it's everyone's responsibility to be able to demo the product, I think. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. I think technical PMM or if that function doesn't exist, maybe an SE can jump in for that top echelon of customers for organizations that maybe sell into the enterprise or for whatever large deals, right? That require very deep custom demos. Product marketers should not be held to that standard. I don't think at least I do think we should be held to the broader standard of being able to demo our specific feature or product that we manage and or the broader platform as well. And I would argue that I think a PMM leader should be able to demo the, the broader platform because even if we're not using it day in and day out, even if we only use it once or twice a year, right? There will be times and opportunities where it will come up because our knowledge and our depth of expertise in the product will translate into how we have conversations with the product team. It will translate into maybe a conversation with an analyst where they say, oh, I didn't realize you could do that. And you're like, oh yeah, let me pull up the platform, right? And those two are just simplistic examples. But the point being is it enables you to get to that level that otherwise you obviously wouldn't be able to. It's total confidence. You know, if you're in an analyst conversation, like, oh, I'll show me that cool thing. Like, oh yeah, I'd love to. And then you're like, hit screen share, you boot up the demo login and you're in there and you're like, all right, well, let me give you the harbor crude. We always call it the harbor cruise. Like, be, like just like because it's your first time seeing the product. Let me give you the harbor cruise. And then like, <laughs> we know we do like, this is where you click on the, this is like, and then you go, okay. And then you ask about this. So I do think, and I think like, to be fair to folks who are listening, who may not feel comfortable demoing out of their product. And this is a good chance for you now to really do some introspection. like. If I gave you a mouse and a login, would you be able to do the demo? I think to be fair, we haven't had in-person events. And so often I think PMMs will be like on rotation of the booth. Uh-huh. Like this is like, by the way, if you're a PMM and you have a chance to go man a booth and you're afraid, don't be afraid, do it. Because like, there is no better way for you to stand in front of a monitor and have hordes of people come at you and just like do the demo. And at AppDynamics, we would be at Cisco Live. And you know, this is a product for IT operations folks. It's like deep application performance monitoring, like with Java bytecode injection. And if you're a non-technical PMM, let me tell you, getting in front of that group of technical IT operators that are digging in your product, there's no better way for you to truly understand what it is that makes your product special or differentiated. 
100% agree. And for that matter, I think you can, even in this virtual stage, you can shortcut some of that too, right? Like if your company has a technology like Gong or Chorus or something similar, figure out who your best demoers are. You probably already know at this point and look for some of their names or even ask to join one of their demos or ask them to deliver a demo to you. Or if they have a pre-recorded demo, ask them to send it to you, right? And it's not to say you need to copy that word for word or slide for slide or whatever the case may be, but it should give you a solid fundamental or solid understanding of here's the value that they're assigning to this. Like, how do I think about it? Does that line up with truly how we've positioned the product, truly how we see the kind of worldview, so to speak, for this product? So that's a really great tip. So, I, I mean, speaking of demos and developing teams and how we structure our teams and the responsibilities of teams, we talked about this very early on in the conversation, but you obviously head up solution and category product marketing, which is just fascinating to me because there's many different aspects of product marketing. And so I'm curious about how you organize your team's responsibilities in platform and solution product marketing and just how your organization looks a little bit. Yeah, I'll start at the, at the top with PMM. And this is where we are today. It's not to say we wouldn't, you know, things might change. You know, as we scale and grow, we're going to need a new sort of a way to organize the team. But um, today we have loosely sort of three buckets within PMM. So we have portfolio product marketing, which is led by my counterpart, Christy. She oversees product launches. So she has a team that focuses on all product launches across all surface areas. And then she also has a team that focuses on engagement, which is all about sort of activation, onboarding into the product. And then also she oversees community, which is really interesting for Airtable. We have a very vibrant, very vocal community out there and they're fantastic. I oversee the solutions and category team and also technical product marketing, which is not in the title, but we have a PMM on core functions that we're trying to sell into. So, you know, currently today we're really, we're breaking into the marketing team. That's one of our most successful functions that we sell into across all industries and also product teams. Product teams love Airtable, just happens to be a great place if you're, a, it's like a weird product where like the PM mentality and Airtable like really meld together nicely. And then if we decide to go after IT, we, we will hire a PMM to focus on IT, but those are really audience solution specific focuses. And the reason why is because like, it's hard to go to a buyer with a product like an Airtable, like a horizontal platform and say, Hey, like, don't you wish everyone on your team could build really powerful apps and stuff like that? They'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like a marketing leader wants to know how to accelerate their content production, their campaign management. A product leader wants to know how to organize the roadmap and show that to the chief product officer or CEO. And so we need PMMs that can go deep in the audience, understand those personas and their use cases deeply. And so we had to do it. And for us, it's a bet, but we believe that it's critical to like land enterprises and then expand later on. And then of course, we, we recently brought on a category PMM. So that person like really exciting, I think, role in PMM, that's a new field. And then of course, technical PMM also recently hired a new technical PMM as well. And that person will be building out a whole program around sort of technical product marketing. And then the other third bucket is Comp Intel. So you know, our space highly competitive, as you can probably imagine, very, very like, yeah, the more I find that it's a gradient of like business buyer to IT buyer. I think the closer you get to business, the more competition you're going to have just because of the nature of SaaS and the nature of the products. But we have a whole Comp Intel team too, and they're fantastic. So they basically are focused on competition and like partnering with AEs to work on specific deals. They have a deal desk. And so, yeah, really great team there too. And that's how loosely how we've organized. I love that. And that functional alignment, I think works really well, especially when you're selling into multiple personas, right? Because to, to your point, you do need to go really, really deep there. But to take that one step further, I'm sure you have multiple product marketers assigned to maybe some of these solutions or categories or pieces of the platform. And so across the spectrum of kind of seniority, so to speak, how do you think about developing some of these PMMs and ensuring that maybe some of the more of the senior folks on your team still have room to grow and have that kind of leeway, I guess, to achieve their goals at Airtable? Yeah, that's a great, great question as well. And I'll start by saying that 
product marketing, I think similar to product management, being a role driven largely by influence and being a very central strategic role to GTM and product development, there aren't very many of us, right? Oftentimes you may get to a point in your career where you talk about like, well, what should be the ratio of coverage between number of PMMs to PMs or number of PMMs to sales reps? Like there's ways you can look at the ratios and say, okay, well, rule of thumb, like we kind of need to hire more folks, right? But the thing is like, because PMM is such a highly leveraged role and there aren't very many of us, it's not big teams, you know? So I think like, okay, in terms of career development, you have to think about like, there's broadly, I think, you know, you have to define the different levels, I think, and have a sense of like, how does the company the HR team kind of look at PMM as a career track. What are those levels and titles and bands that make sense? So all that bookkeeping has to be there. I think without the bookkeeping and the clear HR like agreement on levels and bands, I think you can get some challenge there, right? Then setting that aside, I think there are like two different other things like to consider. One is the management route, right? And like many PMMs want to manage teams. That's what they want. And that's kind of like, a, it, it's a part of their career development. Not all PMs want it, but many do. And that can be challenging because to manage, you have to have a team. You have to have people to manage. And because we're a small team, the opportunity is not always there. And so like setting that aside for another moment, then there's the opportunity of like, how do I grow my skill set? How do I continually develop and get more senior in my maturity, my ability to have conversations with executives, my ability to command a room, develop a really firm strategy, execute on different projects and programs. So I think like as a manager, like I'm thinking about all three of these things all the time of like, okay, I have someone who's working for me. They're like, where can we pull the lever so that they feel like they're being challenged and they're growing? And if there's no sort of lever in either of these areas, I think it can get difficult. They may feel like they're stagnating their career and it can be tough because if someone really wants to manage and you just don't have people from their manage, it's like, it's hard. So you really got to find ways to give them opportunities to expand and grow their skill set. The good news is like PMM and PM are roles where they're so broad, you can go in so many areas. AR, PR, product launches, you know, solutions, marketing, like category, you know, keynote, corporate messaging, executive messaging, like sales pitches, like quick comp intel. There's like many ways to go. And so I often start with each person. Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to learn? What like, show me your merit badge stash. Yeah, I told you I was going to throw an analogy. Like, show me your, I was, I was a Boy Scout in a previous life. Show me your merit badge sash. And like, where are the gaps in the merit badge sash? Where do you want to pick up? Because like, if we can't get you to a certain level with management right now or what have you, first of all, that shouldn't impact your career growth or your earnings potential. Setting that first pillar, moving that aside, you should be picking the merit badges you want. And I do everything I can to move mountains to get them that ability to go after that merit badge. You know, and that's kind of like, I see my role as basically facilitating their ability to learn and drive. And I give them a lot of room. You know, I don't think PMM is a function where we like to be managed. Like, I mean, we, we don't be managed, but not at a point where it's like, you know, it's like, here are the OKRs, here are the key results. You decide how to go and get there. That's my philosophy, at least. You figure out the plan. You do the strategy. You do the stakeholder management. You do the comms. You drive this to completion, you know, and I think like that can get people really excited. I don't know if that's your question, but that's how it, I kind of like broadly bucket these sort of ways of thinking about career development, career path and growth. It does. And I think your bottle there is amazing and gives folks the room to grow. And I totally agree with you. Every PMM I've talked to wants or rather doesn't want to be micromanaged, right? And wants that opportunity to chart their own path. And of course, it's important for leaders like you and I and many listening to this to ensure that we have a solid sense of what's going on while ensuring that we are helping our team grow as well. So it totally makes sense. 
Kevin, I feel like you and I could chat probably the rest of this entire day and we could probably make this episode, you know, 10 or maybe 12 hours even. But in the interest of time, I really appreciate you being here with me and this conversation. Curious if you just have any final words or any place that people can find you or the content that you're publishing. Oh, yeah. I love being part of this podcast series. You know, I really do think that product marketing can be a rewarding career path for folks. It's a pleasure and a joy to be a PMM and to be able to share my knowledge experience with other PMMs. So if you're out there, you're listening and you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, like please feel free to do so. I love helping people along their career path. So yeah, just feel free to connect with me and anything I can do to help, I will try my very best because you got to give back to the community. And I really want to see this role and this career path become a very rewarding rewarding one and successful one for everyone. So completely agree. Yes. And we're all in this together, so to speak. And just this week, as of recording, of course, we saw another former product marketing leader, at least, you know, ascend to the height of the CMO, the, the new CMO of Braze, which is phenomenal to see. Congratulations to her. And it's phenomenal to see. So not to promise Kevin's time here, but anything we both can do to help, please reach out to us. But thank you so much, Kevin, for being on the podcast and for the conversation. It was truly a pleasure to speak with you. I really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, thank you so much. This show is produced by ShareBrew, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders at the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Check out ShareBrew.com.